What is up, Christ Chapel? Hello to all of the Christ Chapel family, no matter uh, what venue you're worshiping in or uh, you're joining us online, a special uh, welcome to you. And also want to give a a shout out to those of you attending our five o'clock worship service at the Fort Worth campus. That kicks off uh, tonight, so spread the word. Five o'clock is uh, here and it starts this evening. Really excited about uh, those opportunities uh, to continue to reach. So five o'clock in Fort Worth, a special welcome uh, to those uh, folks as well. Uh, We're getting into Super Bowl time, and what is the thing that everybody, everybody looks forward to about the Super Bowl? Commercials. Thank you, Keith. Yes, commercials. Everybody looks forward to those commercials. Not everybody looks forward to the game per se, but you kind of always want to know what are the commercials uh, that are going to come out. And so I want to rewind and take you back to a commercial that wasn't a Super Bowl commercial, but was, was a commercial back in 1993. Ancient. Uh, I, I know. Uh, in fact, I read a funny thing This is just off the cuff. I read a funny thing the other day. This uh, student asked their professor if they could use some research from the 1900s. And they said, sure, what year was it written? And they said, 1990. You're like, (laughs) it wasn't that long ago. But anyway, okay. So a commercial back in 1993. It was actually a controversial commercial uh, that Nike put on with Charles Barkley. Do you guys know who Charles Barkley is? Basketball player, played at Auburn, drafted by the Sixers, played in Phoenix and then in Houston, I think. But uh, now he's a commentator. But uh, Charles Barkley did this commercial for Nike. And what he said, it starts off with a very controversial, bold first line that he says. He said, I am not a role model. Do you remember this? He said, I am not a role model. He said, I don't get paid to be a role model. He said, I get paid to wreak havoc on the court. He said, parents are supposed to be role models. He said, just because I can dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. He's got some valid points that he's making, and I certainly affirm, uh, parents, you are the main role models that your children have, and that's why at Christ Chapel, we want to equip you as parents uh, to disciple your own kids. We believe that discipleship begins uh, in the home. We are only here to help partner with you and come alongside you uh, to equip and encourage you to do that. So I certainly agree with him there, but uh, what I don't necessarily agree with is that he isn't a role model. Because let me ask you if, you, if you think about a professional athlete being a role model, do they get a choice? Do they get a choice to say, I want to be a role model or I don't want to be a role model? I don't think they do. I don't, I don't think they get a choice because they are creating uh, just by the life that they live, just by their uh, profession, uh, they're creating this image that people uh, aspire to, that, that people uh, imitate, especially uh, young kids. Uh, I, I remember this was a while back when uh, our older one, Dax, started playing soccer. Um, this was a recreational league, nothing serious whatsoever, and Dax scored a goal. And after he scored a goal, he comes back to the crowd, and he's like trying to pump everybody up and all this stuff. And all the parents just start laughing, and they turn to me, and they're like, 
did he learn that from you? And I'm like, yeah, because after Sunday, you know, after I preach, I go home and I slide on my knees into the living room, you know, and I start shooting arrows like into the heavenly hosts. Like, didn't I do a great job? No, I don't do that. Where did he get the idea to go and pump up the crowd? It's because he watches television. He, he watches those athletes that when they score a goal, they're going and pumping up the crowd, et cetera. They have this image that looks successful and therefore people aspire to and imitate it. And honestly, we can't really get that upset with our kids for doing so because as adults, there are images that we aspire to as well. Whether it's the image of success or it's the image of I can do it all or the image of I have it all, or I know it all. It doesn't matter what that is. All of us have an image that we aspire to, that we want to imitate. But if we aspire to those particular images, uh, we'll always fall short. We'll always be trying to fit ourselves as a round peg into a square Whole. I have people ask me this a lot, like, who do I listen to as far as other preachers and things like that? And honestly, I don't listen to anybody. I read a lot of pastors. And the reason why I read them rather than listening to them is because I'm afraid that I'm going to start sounding like them. I'm afraid that I'm going to start uh, intonating the way that they do or using tone or mannerisms uh, that they have. And I just go, God, I just want, I, I feel like you've called me to be uniquely me. And I feel like God has called you to be uniquely you. But being uniquely you means you are uniquely his. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you will, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, that is page 1 if you're opening a blue Bible that's underneath your seat, uh, anywhere you uh, are in one of our venues. We're continuing our series today, uh, Go Back to the Beginning, as we look at some foundational things in Genesis. And just by way of review, uh, we started obviously in Genesis 1-1, where in the beginning, God, and we talked about in every beginning, Go back to God. And then last week we covered the seven days of creation and talked about God uh, creates order. And what he was doing was he was speaking to the greatest need of the earth at that time. Because remember it was formless and it was void. And so he was giving it form and then he was filling that void with life. And we talked about how God creates boundaries. And remember, we talked about how uh, as parents, whenever you're going to bring home a, a, a newborn or a child, you, you create boundaries within your homes uh, to protect that child's life and, and provide the, the best life for them to preserve their life. And so that's, that's what we did. We covered the whole seven days of creation and pulled out some characteristics of creation as they ascribe the attributes and character of God. But now what we're going to do is we're going to spend uh, two weeks just on the sixth 
day of creation. And the reason why we're going to do that uh, is twofold. One, because uh, it really speaks to who you are, because on the sixth day, he created humanity. So we're going to stop and and drill down a little bit there. But today, we're going to spend some time just on two verses, in verses 26 and 27, on the image of God. And the reason why is because today is Sanctity of Human Life uh, Sunday. And I want to say some things about that very quickly. Uh, first, uh, our church is pro-life. We, we are pro-life. We are for life. We always have been, always will be. But I want you to hear me say this. That is not a political statement. That is a biblical statement. Okay? That is a biblical statement. Uh, God is for life. Remember, when Jesus comes in John chapter 10, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I came that you may have life and life abundantly. He said the the devil or, or the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. Uh, Jesus was for life. God is for life. And so we are for life, but for all aspects of life, uh, from the preborn uh, child all the way until someone is breathing their last, about to go meet Jesus face to face. And so we have ministries that, that span that entire uh, gap of life. That's why when we talk about our stance as a church, we say we are for life. Because we're for life all all the way through. We want you to walk with Jesus in that abundant life that is provided uh, through him. So we have uh, ministries through pregnancy centers, through uh, adoptive care. We have ministries that step into trafficking uh, around our community and certainly uh, around the world. All the way to we've held things where we've talked about uh, the dignity at the end of life. Uh, End of life matters. And so uh, all of that matters to God and therefore all of it matters uh, to us. So uh, we're going to drill down into this specific issue uh, of life and image of God because I want to show you where we get that stance from. And it's not just from John 10.10. You can go all the way back to the beginning, which is where we're going to start today in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So what I want to do is we're going to zoom in just on these two verses and the image of God, how you were created in his image with his name, his image, his likeness, the the NIL of the spiritual realm uh, that has been a game changer in college athletics is a game changing in our everyday lives. So we're going to drill down into that and then I'll give you some implications and some applications. But let's read, since it's only two verses, let's read these, these verses as a whole uh, before we go, go back. Okay? It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. May God bless the reading of his word. May our hearts be open to hear from him. Okay, few things I want to say before we even get into the uniqueness of the image of God. Uh, First, what I want to tell you is 
um, the word created. The word created is only used, uh, we've talked about it, it's used 48 times in the Old Testament. We talked about this week once. It's used 48 times through the Old Testament, and it's only talked about when God is the creator. That word is only used about divine creation. Well, here in chapter 1, that word create is only used three times. It's only used three times. First, it's used at the first verse of in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So that's the first place. The second place it's used is when it talks about animals in verse 21. When it talks about him creating these animals of different, ki- of different kinds and different species. And then the third time it's used is of humans. Now the reason why I want to bring that up very quickly is because I want you to understand divinely that we did not evolve from animals. There is a distinct creation. He created animals, and then he created humans. Completely different, completely distinct. So you are not an accident. You did not evolve. You are uniquely God's creation created in his image. So let's break that down so that you understand some different aspects of what that means created in his image. Okay, first, you were created in the image of a triune God with a unique capacity. You were created in the image of a triune God with a unique capacity. One of the first things that I think, uh, when we read this text thoughtfully, one of the first things that jumps uh, out at you is if, if we began in the beginning, God, that sounds singular, right? And it is. It is singular. But then you jump to verse, verses 26 and 27, and you see plural. Let us. Look at it. It says, then God said, let us us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, the first question you're probably asking is, who showed up? I thought just God was in the beginning. That is true. God is the only one there in the beginning. He is eternal. But one of the distinctives of Christianity, and one of the things that I think is going to be important to us understanding a lot of things that come along, is we believe in the Christian faith that God is triune. There are three persons in one Godhead. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All equal in essence, substance, all equal in holiness, all equal of our, of our worship. All of them. But they're also distinct. The Father is not the Son. The Father did not die on the cross. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are all distinct. But they're all unified and they're all one. And that's really important to understand when we, when we talk about uh, the different capacity in which the image of God, the human beings, uh, are uh, created. And you'll see how that plays out in just a moment. But what you need to understand is that uh, the other members of the Trinity didn't just show up in verses 26 and 27. If you think about it and you read back through, the Trinity has been there from the beginning. The entire time. Okay, remember, go back, go back to the beginning. Okay, in the beginning, God. But then what was going on in verse 2? 
Look, look at it. What was going on in verse 2? Do you remember? Who's there? Anybody? The Spirit, yes. The Spirit is there hovering over the water. Okay, now we've got the Spirit. And then it says, by his word, uh, in God said, in verse 3, God said, let there be the word of God. What do we learn from John chapter 1? That in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is the word of God? Jesus. So in verses 1, 2, and 3, you have the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. You have the whole trinity that is there from the beginning of creation. So they are distinct, but they are one, and they are unified. And so when we talk about being created in the image of God... Um, you can break this down in so many ways. Guys, there are hundreds of books written on this topic. And when I'm talking about books, I mean like the entire book is written just on these two verses. I feel like I've read all of them, Um, but I'm not going to bore you. But when you break this down, there are a couple of different ways that you can, can think about it. The first way is that, there, that human beings have a material part and an immaterial part. And that's, that's very true. If you think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, he says, don't fear the person that can kill the body. Fear the person that can kill the spirit. Like there, there, there's an immaterial and a material aspect to a person. That's true of our triune God. Jesus came in the flesh, but we also know that God is spirit. So yes, that could, could also mean. Or some people go to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 where uh, Paul says, uh, may God sanctify you in uh, basically in body, soul, and spirit. That's really hard to uh, distinguish or pull apart the soul and the spirit, but some people break down those three aspects of a person and relate those to the three aspects of the Trinity. Uh, for, for our purposes today, what I, uh, I think the easiest way to uh, understand how you are created in the image of a triune God. Uh, I'm going to quote Bill Egner, our senior executive pastor. He teaches an Old Testament class here at the Fort Worth campus, Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. Certainly recommend it. Uh, but he talks about it this way. We have a, a mind to know him. We, we have a emotion to, to love him and will to obey him. And I think that's a great way to talk about the, the image of God, a mind to know him, a heart or, or emotion to love him, and a will to obey him. And when we think about that, that makes sense because uh, no other creature has been given that capacity, N- nothing else uh, beforehand, that is unique to being created in the image of God as a human being. So... Here's an application for you. Relate to your creator with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Relate to your creator with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you remember in Matthew chapter 22 when Jesus is asked uh, the question, you know, basically what's the, the greatest law or whatnot, he says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you remember this? Love the Lord God with with everything you have. 
And I think that that's, that, that's not only profound because of how he summarizes everything that has been taught for hundreds of years up to that point, but I think it's profound because he's talking about how you as a human being have a unique capacity in order to relate to God. So use every aspect of your being in order to love and relate to God. Use, use your mind. Use your, use your heart, your emotion, use your, use your will, use your strength in order to relate to him. And all of us have probably a, a bent where we say, I'm really strong in that area, but not strong in another. Well, develop all of those things. Develop those different capacities because you have a unique capacity. And when we, when we don't, we're shortchanging that relationship. We're shortchanging that relationship with God where he goes, I've, gave, I've given you this capacity Use the entire uh, capacity. Uh, I relate it to a long-distance relationship. Have any of you ever been in a long-distance relationship? When, when I was, was growing up and, and dating and things, man, I grew up when long-distance mean you didn't have FaceTime. Okay, FaceTime didn't exist. So a long-distance relationship meant that you called people long-distance. And I know that there's a portion of our congregation that has no clue what I'm talking about uh, right now. Um, but just follow along. You'll be okay. But you, you could only call a person on the phone and it cost you money per minute. I remember way back when I racked up a $300 long distance bill in a month. That was not with Jen, so it didn't pay off. Um, <laughs> but we all make mistakes. But my point being, I, I could only relate to that girl that I was dating through, through the phone. That, that was it. But I wanted to be in her presence. I wanted to be with her, and I wanted to be around her, and I wanted to experience, like that, that whole capacity that we're created for relationship, I wanted to be around her, but it was limited. And I feel like sometimes in our relationship with God, we limit it as well, where we say, well, we'll just have this long-distance relationship with God where I'll just relate to him uh, through prayers. And he goes, well, what about my word? Like, like what about being around my, my body, being around my people? We have this unique capacity, and I am a maximizer. I want to maximize everything. It takes me forever to throw away the toothpaste when it's empty because I'm trying to squeeze everything out of that tube. I want you to maximize everything you have because you have a unique capacity in order to relate to God because you've been uniquely created in his image in order to relate to him. So use your entire capacity. I think about the five love languages. You know the five love languages? The five love, love, you know, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, all those things. You know what I've realized in relationships is you might have a primary one, but whomever you're married to, they love to be loved in all of those ways. You don't just say, my, my wife's primary love language is words of affirmation. But I can't just say, well, I told you I loved you. And not be around her. Or not serve her. Or never give her a gift. Right? I mean, I guess I could, but that wouldn't go very well. 
use all of those things. Use all of that capacity in that relationship to relate to your creator because you can do it in a way that nothing else in creation can. Okay, the second uniqueness in order, the way that God created you in his image. You were created in the image of a personal God with a unique dignity. You were created in the image of a personal God with a unique dignity. If you uh, uh, drew out one of those distinctives of the, the singular and then the plural, but I also want to draw out another distinctive here, because if you look back at all the different days of, of creation, uh, day one, day two, day three, day four, uh, God says, let there be. And it, it's, it's, an Im, it's an impersonal um, way of, of bringing about creation. But in this way, in this verse, he doesn't just say, let there be. He says, let us make. It, it, it's a personal aspect uh, where he says, let us make. If you look back at the beginning of verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That is the distinctive. Remember, Father, Son, Spirit, we're all there creating all of those things. But the distinctness is image and likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, Animals were not created in God's image or likeness. Human beings alone were made according to his image and his likeness. And because we are created in his image, you have a unique, inherent dignity as a human being just simply as a human. And I also want to say that male and female were created equally. Equal dignity, equal value, both created in the image of God. Now, I believe there are two very distinct genders. I believe that those two genders were created by God, and I think that he's made that clear and obvious uh, through biology, through chromosomes, uh, through all of those things. And I believe that though he did that to reflect his image, his character. We find that right here. Male and female are created in his image, clearly distinct in value, clearly distinct in, um, in their, their image. And we'll talk more about creation, uh, the way God created uh, Adam and Eve, we're going to talk about that in Genesis uh, chapter 2, where we'll go a little bit uh, deeper. But both male and female uh, represent the image of God. And I think that that's really important. We, let me go back real fast to the Trinity, because remember we talked about how uh, the, the Trinity, although distinct in person, are all equal in value. Remember we talked about that? This is one of the reasons why I brought that up, because male and female being created in the image of God, distinct, certainly distinct, but equal in value and dignity. Okay, so here's your application. Respect every person as they bear the image of God. It's very simple, but respect every person as they bear the image of God. Notice that I said, as they bear the image of God. When do human beings begin to bear the image of God? 
It's conception. I mean, that, that's, that's when they begin to bear the image of God. It's, it, I didn't say respect every person as they demonstrate the image of God, where we say, well, they weren't very nice to me, so I'm not going to respect them. Or I don't really like them, so I'm not going to respect them or treat them with value or dignity or anything like that. Every human being is an image bearer. They bear the Father's image. And so, hey, you know how you want your children to be treated. You want your children to be treated with dignity, with respect, with value, because they're yours. They're created in, in your image, in a sense. Same with human beings, and same with the Father. He wants every one of his children to be created with his dignity, because they belong to him. And so I just want to say two quick things about that. Uh, first, uh, people are not objects. People are not pawns to be used for your pleasure or your purpose. They're to be used for God's purpose. They're not meant to be used or abused. That is not his intention whatsoever, and I think that that grieves his heart when people are treated that way. Second thing that I will say is when we talk about uh, giving dignity or respect to other people, uh, a lot of times, honestly, that means giving deference to people. It means deferring to people. Uh, and, and that sounds very New Testament, doesn't it? That we, that we treat others better than ourselves. Who did that? Right answer is Jesus on this one, okay? Jesus treated people as better than himself. And sometimes when we treat others with dignity, sometimes we need to think is deference. It doesn't always have to be your way. Or the highway. Sometimes it can be their way. And honestly, that shows the character and the mind of Christ. And then finally, third, you were created in the image of a purposeful God. You were created in the image of a purposeful God with a unique responsibility. With a unique responsibility. And we'll be, again, we continue to hammer home this idea of purpose because there is intention behind God's creation that points to his purpose for creation. Uh, and so I, I hope you, you get that in your mind and your heart and get, get, that, uh, get to grasp that. But if you look back at the second part of verse 26, he said, after he said, let us make mankind in our image, he says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so he talks about how he wants human beings, he gives them this unique capacity for dominion. And we're going to talk more about that next week because there are particular, there's a bunch of verbs that come in verses 28 and 30 where he talks about have dominion, uh, subdue, be fruitful, and multiply. He blessed it. So all these verbs, we're going to talk about that next week. We'll drill down into it. But for, for now, what you need to know is that he put mankind in creation to be his representative, to, to represent uh, him. That's why we carry his image. You have a purpose. Every one of you has a God-given purpose, and he wants you to understand that. And every life has a purpose because every life bears the image of God. And so I put this on your sermon notes and just want to go through it very quickly. 
um, so that you can see this, this purpose because it's reiterated throughout Scripture. First, life is created by God. We, we believe that. Psalm uh, 139. Life is 100% created by God. And I know there are some here today that, uh, who are listening that you've struggled with infertility. Or you, you've struggled and you say, I, I don't understand why God isn't letting this uh, happen. And, and you've, you've tried. I want you to know we have a group called Wait With Me. Uh, we would love to come alongside you and encourage you, pray with you help uh, equip you, just be a community for you of support. You can find that on the information on that on the back of your sermon notes because that is an incredible struggle. We pray for you. My heart goes out to you. Uh, I, I know that that's so incredibly hard. Uh, second, uh, life is created for God. Jeremiah talks about how God created his purpose before he was even uh, out of his mother's womb. When he was in his mother's womb, the Lord created his purpose. The Lord has purpose for every human being. Third, uh, life can also be recreated for God. In 2 Corinthians 5, the old is gone, the new has come. Where he, we are a new creation in Christ. And I say praise God for that. Praise God that we can be recreated um, in a new way, a new fresh way. And then finally, life can be repurposed for God. It can be repurposed for God. I also know that uh, on today that some people have uh, dealt with this issue of life in their past, and it's things that you might not want to talk about. It's things that you might not want to bring up. Here's what I I want to encourage you with. Uh, God can repurpose those things for his good, and he can repurpose those things for your good. Uh, and we have a group uh, that we is that you can find this information on the back of your sermon notes as well. Uh, we have a group that is starting called Forgiven and Free for those who are post-abortion. And if that is in your past and you say, I, I want support with that, I want to process that, we have a group uh, here. Um, let, please, please, please hear me say this. Uh, there is no shame, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, not, not whatsoever. You're not going to experience that from us. Uh, we are thankful that you're here. We want to encourage you in your walk. Jesus came to give you life and life abundant. And if we can help support that, we want to do that uh, for you. So uh, if, you, if that interests you, that information is on the back of the sermon notes as well. Okay, here's the application for all of us. Uh, reflect the image of God as you grow in his likeness. You have, a, you have a purpose, and you are called to uh, represent him on this earth. So reflect the image of God as you grow in his likeness. And some of you are saying, well, hold on, Cody. I, th- I thought we were created in his image and his likeness. Yes, you were created in his image and his likeness. But here's what I know from uh, my own life. Uh, you were created in his image, but we can all continue to grow in our likeness, in our Christ likeness as we look more like him. Uh, our boys, they like looking back at pictures of them when they were, you know, babies or when they were really little or those kind of things. And uh, the other day, uh, our younger one, Hayes, was looking through, <clears throat> he was looking through old pictures and he, he found a baby picture and he was like, dad, is that me? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I can't, I, 
I'm a terrible dad, okay? I can't tell the difference in those very, very early baby pictures of the difference between Dax and Hayes. But as they continue to mature, I absolutely can tell those differences. I can absolutely distinguish them. And actually, the, the older and the, that they get and the more mature that they get, the more that I begin to see the, the likeness to me and to Jen. All their good qualities, Jen. All, all their bad qualities, me. But you can begin to see those mannerisms, those attitudes, all of those things as they mature in their lives. And it should be the same way with us. Yes, you were created in the image of God, but you can always grow in your Christ likeness as you represent him. You are uniquely you, but you're also called to be uniquely his. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for giving us this gift of knowing that we were given a unique capacity in order to relate to you, that we now have an access to you that's not available to anybody else, which is just crazy. That It's almost like you've given us this this VIP pass to go behind the curtain to, to, to relate to you. Lord God, may we take advantage of, of that access that you created through your son, uh, Jesus. And Lord God, may we represent you not only by the way that we treat other people, but by the way that uh, our, our mannerisms, our actions, our attitudes, our affections uh, grow in Christ-likeness. So that, Lord, when people see us or when they encounter us or when they speak to us, Lord God, they wouldn't see us, but they would see you, the image of your son through us. So, Lord, we ask that you would do these things, please, in Jesus' name, amen.